0: All right, open your Bibles, if you will, Philippians chapter 3 this morning, as we continue our series from last week, starting over, and uh, so we're going to look at Philippians chapter 3. Let's read verses 13 and 14. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past looking forward to what lies ahead i press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize which god through christ jesus is calling us and so how many of you just are amazed at the commitment of the the athletes that are part of the olympics i mean just just amazing their dedication and yet they're just normal people like you and i i mean they have jobs they have families. Many of them are actually pursuing uh, degrees. But they have this higher goal, which they would call a higher goal to achieve just to be part of those Olympic Games, just, just to be invited, you know, to be part of it. And, and they've given up years, literally years of their lives when they're young of, of getting ready for this event. And when they get in there, that event lasts just a little more than 10 seconds. And all this commitment, this dedication, hours, years that they put in this for just less than 10 seconds. And, And yet most of us, most people don't even have goals. They don't have any plans. They don't have any dreams. They just simply go through life and whatever the day gives them, they take. And they endure. But as we look at Paul here, he has this great goal of knowing Jesus Christ intimately. And so i want to talk about that, and, and, and I believe it's our goal as well, but there's three questions I want to ask you this morning that I think will help us to understand what our goal is. Number one, of course, the first question is simply, simply this. What is God's main goal for your life? What is God's main goal? Now, Paul the Apostle, he wrote most of the New Testament. Okay, he wrote this and this book, that, all these books that he wrote under the power of the Holy Spirit, they have been used year after year in thousands, millions of people's lives over the years, and many people come to know Christ, been encouraged, and, and their lives have been transformed from these writings. However, writing these books was not his main goal. Paul the Apostle preached the gospel, and you know what happened there. Hundreds of thousands have have gotten saved, and then they went out, uh, built on the apostles, and then they went out and won people to Christ, and then they won people to Christ, and all the way up to the day, I mean, millions of people have trusted Jesus Christ. But winning people or preaching the gospel was not his main goal. Now, I'm big on planting churches. Paul plants several churches that had a major impact upon us. Major, and yet that was not his main goal. Paul literally says, he he says, that I might know him. His major goal in life was just to know Jesus Christ better today than yesterday. Look at verse 7 with me. Paul says this. He says, I once thought these things were very valuable. Now, we have to ask the question, well, what things are these that he's talking about? Okay, I don't have the verses up there, but listen to this. These are the things that he used to think were valuable, but now he considers them worthless. What things were they? Verse 5. I was circumcised on the eighth day. So he has this religious heritage. He has these great parents that are believers, that are Christian. So he grew up in a Christian home. He's a pure-blood citizen of the Jews, or of Israel. So his race it was the race that brought us the Scriptures. It was the race that brought us Jesus Christ. I mean, that's his heritage. And then he says, I'm a Benjamin, a real Hebrew, if ever there was one. Then he says, a Pharisee. Okay? A Pharisee is one of the most <laughs> religious and strictest. I mean, he was a religious man. It just wasn't his parents now. Now he has this religion. And then notice what he says. And I obeyed the law without fault. You're talking about a righteous man uh, compared to the law, okay? I mean, a zealous man. He persecuted the church. I mean, he was very zealous. So all of these things, he says in verse 7, I consider them worthless because of what Jesus Christ has done. What did Jesus Christ do? He died. He paid for Paul's sin, okay? He set Paul free from thinking he was going to get to heaven, he was a good man, or he was valued in God's eyes because of all of those previous things that he was involved with and that he was. And so he just sets this record straight right here. He says all of that is nothing. No longer am I striving after those things. My goal is to know him, and as we talked about last week, knowing him intimately Knowing Jesus Christ transforms us into the likeness of Jesus Christ. So, as he's talking about knowing Christ, he's also talking about experientially knowing Christ, which means he was being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. He wanted to get to know Jesus Christ more. So, you could just have your uh, uh, just have your mindset on a. Paul the Apostle, sitting down at the desk, has this ledger book in front of him. On one side, he's got the, the prophets. On the other side, he has the losses. On the prophets, he writes down, that I might know Christ. Not just to know him, but to know his power every day in my life. He, he wanted to experience the power that raised Jesus Christ from the day, he wanted to experience it in his life. You know, he didn't want just a normal Christian life where nothing happens. He wants Jesus Christ and that power involved, doing things. Can amen? That's what we want, right? We don't want to just sit back and nothing exciting ever happens, God's never moving, God's never doing a thing. We're just going through the motion of Christianity. Doesn't that just stink, just the thought of that? I mean, the power of Christ working in you and through you, that was what, Paul wanted to experience that power that raised Jesus. And he said, then uh, that I might know the, his, his sufferings. And we talked about last week, what that refers to is the purpose of his suffering. Not that, just, not that he just suffers for the suffering's sake, but he's involved in doing what Christ did, which brought persecution and suffering. Then he talks about the death, that I might know Jesus Christ, the power of his resurrection, and this is the ledger, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, and me conformable unto his death. And he wanted to experience Jesus' death, but not the physical, but the denying oneself. And that just doesn't happen. That's when the transformation becomes real and it's not, it's not about you any longer. It's about his purpose, reaching people and encouraging people, lifting up your brothers and sisters in the Lord and, and on and on and on. So Paul, Paul has that on, on the ledger, all those to know Christ. And on the other side, According to verse 7, he has just two words. The lost side, he has two words. Everything else. Everything else. That I might know Christ over here, that's, none of that's my major thing. So, so Paul's goal was to know Jesus Christ, and that was the passion that drove him, that pushed him, that motivated him to do everything, everything else he did. So this morning as we think about Paul's goal, I want to look at it and look at that that's what Christ has us to do as well. He he wants to know him, understand what that means, getting to know him better today than I did yesterday. And If you don't know Jesus Christ, having that new birth is the beginning of knowing Jesus Christ. And then once you're a child of him, then growing and becoming more and more like him Today than it was yesterday. So, so we have to ask the question, the second question, how do I measure whether or not I'm reaching that goal? Or how, how do I measure whether I'm actually attaining that goal? I mean, how, how do I measure that? Well, when you think of measuring, if you want to know if you're really doing anything and you're accomplishing more this year than you were last year, because this is the new year, so we're all thinking about dieting. Can I hear an amen? Do you mind if I ask this? How, how many are going to do... Let's put it this way. How many are going to do better health-wise... This is your goal. You're going to do better health-wise this year than you did last year. Amen. <laughs> all right. Several of you. A lot of you, okay? And a lot of you just didn't want to admit it, all right? You want to drink more water. You want to exercise. You want to do this thing. I mean, so this is the year... And so, so in measuring, that's what I want to talk about. When you think of a salesman who wants to be the salesman of the year, how, do they, how does he measure that? Well, he takes the sales the of last year and he measure them, measures them with the sales of this year. Think of an athlete, a runner, as in the Olympic Games. He takes last year's numbers and then he compares them to the numbers in which he's running. And Paul wants us, how, how does Paul measure how well he's doing? Look at verse 12 uh, with me. It says this, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things. I, I, I've already reached perfection. Paul says, I'm not there yet. That's how Paul is measuring his. He's just not there. Not at all. So he, so he looks where he's at now, and he sees The perfection, the likeness of Christ. And his his conclusion is, I'm not there. And so I want to talk a little bit about these things over here. What it means to have the likeness of Jesus Christ. But it it starts with that that disappointment. Warren Wiersbe said this. He said, "A a divine dissatisfaction is essential for spiritual progress. That dissatisfaction within you. So how do you measure up? I want to go to 1 Peter, or 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, as we just kind of get into this, to be able to measure the likeness of Christ and where you're at. Peter says this, For this very reason, I make every effort to supply your faith with virtue. So your faith is when you trusted Jesus Christ, and this is where you're at. I'm, I'm saved, I'm, 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 walk, I'm, I'm, I'm a child of God. And then he says, I want you to add to that, supply you with virtue and to virtue knowledge so he says you're saved but he says i want you to add to that virtue i want you to add that to knowledge then he goes on next verse he says and to knowledge self-control and to self-control steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness brotherly affection and brotherly affection love now so you see this progression That's taking place. Stay with me. This progression that's taken place. Now, notice if these things be in you. This is very important. Listen up. Okay? For if these qualities, what qualities? The last one we just talked about. Where you're growing every year in the Lord. If these things be in you and increase. In other words, if you have these qualities and you're increasing. Notice what it says. They keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful. Let's turn it around. These qualities help you to be fruitful and effective. In what? In your knowledge, that's the context we're talking about, in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. In other words, you want to talk about becoming like Jesus Christ, getting to that, reaching that place, this is how you do it. You add, you grow, you increase these things, all right? So when it comes to measure, and let me give you two thoughts, if you're going to be, Measuring where you're at spiritually in reaching perfection. Now, none of us are ever going to reach the full likeness of Jesus Christ. Okay, there's a couple here today that are close. My wife is close. Amen. Okay. And your wife. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Just helping you out. Just helping you out. All right. So, uh, two things I want to talk about. Number one is your, your, Input, okay, your input, and then secondly, your output. Let's just let's just let's just kind of think about this for a moment. Your input. We're talking about your spiritual input, and we're talking about how much time do you spend in the Word. Talking about input. How much time do you spend in prayer, and how much time do you spend in fellowship with Christians? So just just think about that for a moment. How much time am I actually spending this year compared to the last year? So that I can add And be fruitful Another one is your output Let's think about that Your output would be The love of Christ Okay Your fruit bearing and How much fruit am I bearing? Am I bearing Does my life show the fruit of love The fruit of joy The fruit of peace The fruit of patience The fruit of kindness Goodness uh, Faithfulness Gentleness And self-control How much of my life is bearing that fruit. These are good questions. To just just think about. I mean, I would love to say that you know my life always shows the love of Christ, <laughs> but I have to admit I often fall short. Often fall short. I'd like to say that I, I'm always showing the joy of Christ. But I'll be honest with you, there's sometimes I, I, I'm a little whiny. Wives, how many of your husbands are a little whiny? Just one. Praise God. The rest of you are great. Oh, there's two. All right. All right. So I'm a little whiny, and sometimes I complain. So I'm not always showing the joy, nor am I always showing demonstrating patience. I'd love to say, man, I'm the most patient man in the world. But sometimes drivers. Can I hear an amen? Drivers in Missouri. Sometimes drive me crazy. All right, patience, kindness, gentleness. I'd love to say that I'm always demonstrating kindness and gentleness, but the truth is that's not me. I find myself falling short. I mean, I mean, faithful and self-control, I mean, those fruits I'd like to say that that's that's me, but my waistline reveals that's not the case. Amen. I mean, that's just the way it is. So so Measuring, you gotta ask yourself, how much of this fruit am I am I literally bearing? Where am I right now compared to last year? Am I gonna have this desire to go forth and bear this fruit? Well, here's the truth of Christianity. We don't even think about those fruits. We don't even care about the joy of Christ. We don't care about demonstrating love. And the problem is that comes out and then everybody around us. They literally say, man, if that's what Christianity is, I want none of it. I mean, that, 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 I get that all the time. Why? Because Christians don't understand the output. Those fruit is a, is a revelation of you being filled with the Spirit of God or not. Because that is the fruit of the Spirit of the living God. And when you are complaining, you're constantly murmuring and complaining. You're not full of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> that fruit is not coming out of you. You're just murmuring and complaining. And nobody sees Christ. They just see Tim Fleener. <laughs> That's all they see. This whiner and this complainer. I'm just moping around. Well, he's always sad. He looks like he's mad at the world. Well, if, if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, of course. I am full of his joy. That doesn't mean I always have a smile on my face. There's nothing worse than a Christian that's a smile that's miserable. Just faking it. All right, number three. So, it comes down to this. What must I do, according to Paul's word, to reach the goals that God has for me? This goal, specifically. What can I do? All right, so I'll give you three things. We find them again in verse 13 and 14 so let me read that again paul says and we'll wind up here shortly you know i have a clock back there and we're really doing good i thought you know i can see right there i forgot my phone today forgot my watch how many can say amen to that i can see the clock dear brothers and sisters i have not achieved it but i focus on this one thing forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead i press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize, and this is what I want you to get you to see, through which Christ is, what's it say? Wrong verse. Let's, okay, okay. I was going to emphasize that, but it's not there. All right? Which Christ is calling us. He's calling us. Verse 13 to 14, he's calling us to be fruitful. He's calling us, literally, to become like Christ. He's calling us to, to know Him more. And, and not just to know Him intellectually, but to know Him as you get into the Word and you pray and, and you're fellowship, and to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. So three things. All right, number one, be focused. He says, dear brothers and sisters, I haven't achieved it yet, but I focus... On one thing, he focuses. So Paul here is saying that his single focus, he had the single-mindedness, his single purpose was to know Jesus Christ. Now, of course, he's talking about running. He's talking about the Olympics. Have you ever noticed an Olympic runner that's getting ready to take off in his race? You ever noticed that he's not scanning the, the the you know the stands, looking for his mom, looking for his dad, looking for you know. And if you notice, he's not looking at the other racers? He's not being a Larry Bird and, and you know, dirty talking to them to get them. Dis- I mean, he's, he's, he's not even focused on it. You notice he's not, that, that runner is not focused on all the other events that's taking place in the arena. Where's his, where's his eyes? His eyes are fixed and focused. We're talking about that commitment. His eyes is fixed and focused on the finish line. That goal of knowing Jesus Christ. Paul his sights were focused they were fixed completely undivided attention. The more attention we focus on the things of this world, the more it hinders our spiritual progress. We live in a great a great day. There's so many technology stuff. This, this is the greatest day. I mean, the medicines. I mean, how many of you can stay up all night and play, what is this thing called? Gamer. Okay. All night long with somebody in Florida. You know the guy's name. And you are close. I don't know how that happens. Somebody was telling me last night, oh, yeah, uh, I talked to that guy the other day, and, and he I hadn't seen him for a long time. He's been off, and now things are going really good in his life. I don't know that much about Mike. He's my neighbor. Gaming. I mean, there's nothing wrong. I'm just saying it's fantastic. There's so many things, listen, to distract us from the single, single focusness. Now, if you're a gamer, I'm not jumping down you at all, okay? Let's go to James. Let's go to James real quick. Or you can just listen to the verses. James talks about this in verse 6 and 7. Verse 6 says, when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God. Now, notice that word, alone. Do not waver for a person divided. I love this translation. For the person divide, has, has divided loyalties is an, as unsettled as the wave of the sea and is blown and tossed by the wind. Loyalties. Loyalties. When our loyalty is not to him, for the thing, then of course he's talking about prayer and the circumstances and the trials in life, but when our, our focus is not on him and the focus on the things of this world, oh, oh, this will help me with this trial. This will help me and I'm going to lean on this. When you do that, you're just, like a, you're just like a ship on the sea driven by the wind because your focus and your loyalty is not in him and believing he, he's going to handle this. You have to take care of it yourself. That's the context, okay? So, now look at the next verse. He said, their loyalties, verse 8, their loyalty is divided. Well, let me back up to verse 7. Such people should not expect to receive anything, that's a powerful word, anything from the Lord. I don't know about you, but I want stuff from God. Can I hear an amen? How many want God, when you pray, to hear your prayers? I remember when I was 15, 15. Uh, neighbor girl, we lived in this apartment complex, and she was on the top floor, and my sister was down there, and she was up top, and this girl threw a hanger down and went right through my sister's eye, and and it was gone, it was gone, just now. So all night, because I didn't know God, I didn't know really anything, all night, I I just, I mean, all night, I was on my knees at my neighbor's house praying to a God I didn't know that He would show up and do something. And save her eye. Well, it never happened. But but that was just one of the events that drew me to understand this kind of stuff. When we go to God and our loyalties is in Him and Him alone, then we hear from heaven. Then He demonstrates Himself and reveals His power. But the the person with divided loyalties and so many Christians saying, I can't understand why God doesn't hear me. Uh, uh, Maybe it's because you're not focused. And your loyalties are divided. Your God is something other, maybe your job, maybe your kids, maybe your cars, maybe, maybe all your hobbies or whatever. Your loyalties are divided. It says, let him not think that he would receive anything from the Lord. And then it goes on. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, notice this, and they are unstable in everything they do. Unstable. That's not what I want, amen? That's not what you want. We want to be stable as stable can be. So Paul the Apostle, number one, he was focused. You want to know how to become like Christ? Be focused on him and knowing him. Number two, be forgetful. Now, forgetfulness is normally a bad thing, okay? But Paul the Apostle says, this is the one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before So. Forgetfulness, most of the time, is a bad thing. Like this morning, or yesterday, it was my wife's birthday. But I remembered. I'm just bringing that out. All right, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying that. Just giving. What, what would have happened, even this morning, if it dawned on me, it's our birthday, or our an anniversary? How many have ever done that before? Don't raise your hand. Okay. You forgot an anniversary, you forgot a birthday. How about a name? Oh. Today I'm, I'm shaking somebody's hand and says, yeah, you, and I, I named the guy in there. Oh, oh, it's almost there! And she was great about it. But you know, I mean, that's not good. All right? Remembering people's names. So us so most times is a bad thing, but here it's a good thing. Why is it such a good thing? Because we go back to Acts chapter 7, and we see Paul the Apostle having a part in stoning, killing a man of God. I mean, he's, he's holding the coats of those who's picking up rocks and stoning Stephen and watching Stephen lift up his face to God and talk to Jesus. Now, no doubt Paul didn't get to see it, but Jesus standing up at the right hand of God and welcoming Stephen home. He didn't get to see any of that, of course, but he, he was involved in that. So now he's a child of God. Now he's a Christian. Now he's, he's taking Stephen's place and preaching the book, preaching the word, and going to die for the same cause. But can you imagine his thoughts? That he took, not just the life in war, and those that have been in the military and have done that, they struggle with that, big time, okay? But Paul the apostle killed a man of God. He killed one of the greatest preachers Described in the Bible. The Bible says he was full of power and is full of the Holy Ghost. And Paul was involved in killing. Him. And then chapter eight, Paul went around and putting everybody in prison. All the Christians that said they were of this way, they put in jail. So you can imagine here Paul is. He's saved. God wants him to be a preacher. And he's preaching. He's talking. All of a sudden, the memories come back and haunt him of what he's done. See, the memory of what passed. Paul had done in the past, hindered him in the present, and it does some of us. So Paul says, there's one thing I do, forgetting, I have to forget those things which are behind, but that's just part of it. Those of you and I, uh, some of the things that trip us up in the present, not just necessarily the things that we've done, but the things people have done to us. So, So here's what you need to see. You know, some people have been physically abused, mentally abused. They've been abused in every situation. um, All this kind of stuff. And and, 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 and I've talked to many people that are still stumbling. I mean, years and years and years. They're old people like me. Still struggling with the past and all that that was done to them. Saint was involved in destroying them at that moment. And what they don't realize is they're allowing him to destroy their future. By... By that action that Satan was destroying them, it, it literally kept them out of the war, kept them from going forward for Christ. He says, this one thing you do, forgetting those things, those things that happened to you, which was out of your control. That's what Paul's talking about. But then he says this, remembering or, or pressing forward to those things which you before. I in, in John chapter 21, We don't have time to go through all of that, but uh, in John chapter 21, it was a time that Peter had just got done with denying Christ. Jesus had rose from the dead, and uh, he had had already revealed himself to the disciples twice, but Peter still said, I'm going fishing. Now, remember, Jesus called Peter to no longer fish for fish, but fish for what? Men. Men. Okay. I said, You're now fishing for men. But Peter says, No, I'm going fishing. He's discouraged. I'm going fishing. So he goes out and he fishes. So Jesus shows up and, and Jesus says, you have any fish? And he performs this miracle. They got all these kinds of fish. They come to the bank and Jesus has got a fire and he's cooking breakfast. He said, Bring your fish along and we'll cook the fish. So as they're sitting there, it's such a fantastic story. Peter's discouraged because of what he's done. You can put in there, Peter's discouraged by what happened to him. Whatever you want to do, make your own application there. But the great thing is, is Jesus gets him to focus somewhere else. Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my lambs. And Jesus goes on. He says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, of course I love you. He said, feed my sheep. Then he said a third time. And the Bible says that Peter was annoyed. He was annoyed that Jesus kept asking this, the same question. Peter, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. He said, feed my sheep. And then he goes on to say this. He said, when you were younger, you just did whatever you wanted to do. But when you're older, somebody's going to lead you, and you're going to die and bring glory to God. He was describing his future. Listen, what God was doing, it's one thing. You just can't forget the past and just and watch TV all day long. You know, how many, I mean, we, uh, rough past, you watch a TV program when somebody's abandoned. Ooh, can I hear an amen? All right. Somebody was abused. Oh, you know, you don't have a father. Oh, amen. That's, that's, that's just us. So what does it do? It takes you right back to the stinking past. Okay? Here's the great thing about this. Listen very carefully. Okay? Jesus was getting Peter's eyes off the fact that he denied Christ, getting him fixed on the present and on the future. It's powerful. I don't have my amen section down here. Where's my amen lady? My blonde-haired woman. Yeah, amen! Janelle. You guys call her and say, preacher mentioned you and he missed you today, all right? But isn't that great? God loves us enough, and that's a demonstration that he doesn't want us in the past and our failures and other people's things that they've done to us that we had no control. He don't want us back there. He wants us in the present, and he wants us focused on the finish line, becoming like Jesus Christ. Now, one more thing, okay? Be focused, be faithful, and be, or be focused, be fruitful, or here we go. Be focused, be forgetful. I'm going to slow down. Be faithful. You already had it up there. You knew what I was getting at, didn't you? All right? Be faithful. Notice what he says in verse 4. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ, I love that verse, these last three words, calling us. Notice the words press on. Okay? The words press on in the Greek means dioko, dioko. That's not John Lennon's wife, okay? It's an actual Greek word, all right? Dioko. The term means this. It describes this. A hound, how many got that? Did you get that? Okay, good. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Okay. Okay, so it describes the hound in pursuit of the fox. The hound would relentlessly pursue the fox until he gained his prize. He pressed on. In that pursuit to obtain the fox, no turning back. I mean, literally, that's what Paul's talking about. He says, no turning back, no regrets, faithful to the end. Here's the truth of the matter. Our Christian roles and our books are full of Christians. Full. Who started well. Who jumped off in salvation and got excited and got baptized and said, I'm going to follow Christ. I'm I'm making a public statement. I'm following, dedicated to Christ. And now they fizzled out. The flame has went down. No longer are they on fire. No, Really, no longer are they even in church today. Many, many, many are like that today. I, I implore you today. Don't let that happen to you. Satan is so slippery. He wants us to not measure our spiritualness, not not measure whether the the love of Christ is oozing out of us, the the joy, the peace, the the contentment, the, the compassion, the gentleness, the affection. He doesn't want us to measure today with tomorrow he didn't want us to measure last year with this new year and make new goals but paul did he said man this is this is what i'm doing i'm gonna become more like christ this year than I was last year and that's what paul and god wants for all of us is to become more like jesus christ today than we were yesterday but that takes some determination that takes some focus that takes some forgetfulness and that takes some faithfulness and all of us listen God is calling each one of us to that. And so we have to make a decision. As we approach this, new, or we actually, jumped into this new year, as you jumped into this new year with me, like I said, most people don't even think, they don't have plans, they don't have dreams, they don't have goals. But As we approach this new year, I think real life should follow God's word. I think we should have some dreams. I think we should have some goals, not just for the church, but for the the church personally, which is us, us, that we will personally grow and become more like Jesus Christ this year than last year. Know him more intimate this year than we did last year. But again, we all have to make that decision. So let's just stand where we're at, And we're just going to bow our heads for a few moments. And we're going to give you an opportunity this morning, okay? Give you an opportunity, opportunity, to come down at the altar, heads bowed. We can turn the lights down a little bit, have heads bowed, eyes closed just for a moment. And this is your opportunity to come this morning to the altar. This is between you and God. And just say, Lord, this year, I want to know you. More help, help me to fulfill this calling that you want from me. Uh, whether it be intake more of the scriptures, intake more prayer, intake fellowship, whatever it is. How about this year be better than last? Heads bowed, eyes closed, eyes closed. No one look around. The invitation is for you. Meet me down here this morning at the front, and let's go to the Lord together, and ask God to help us to this year demonstrate more love and joy and forgiveness and that the power of Christ will be recognized in our lives right now if this is you and you would like this why don't you come down meet me at the altar we're going to pray together down here and do business for the Lord why don't you come others are coming how about you why don't you come this morning